Today's Swap a Number is 50. That's the amount of Swap a Number podcasts we've produced for our pilots since we started in August of 2019. We've gotten a lot of great feedback about them because they let us talk directly with our SMEs about subjects in an easy to follow format. So today on the show, we're going to celebrate that milestone by turning our mics around and interviewing our longtime hosts, Kurt and Amy, so that they can give us a look into the inner workings of Swappa Communications. I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman. And I'm Jim Morris, and here's our interview with Kurt and Amy. Kurt, explain the staff-pilot dynamic that we have in communications. Well, I think the the dynamic that we have in COM really affects all of the committees. It works across all of SWAPA, and that is, you know, we have a couple of pilots usually, in, in our case now, uh, We've added Jim and another uh, pilot, Dave Wilcox. We have three pilots, and they sort of serve as the voice of the pilots or the mentality of the pilots. Uh, Let's face it, pilots are kind of a different breed. And so it's important that the union talk like a pilot and we communicate like pilots. And the staff are experts at what they do. They're journalists and graphic designers and uh, proofreaders, and they've got all sorts of uh, education on that. But until they really get into SWAPA and and learn how to work with pilots, uh, if we just relied on them, it could come off sort of corporate and stilted. So I think it's important that uh, it's it's a mesh of their expertise and our experience and perspective that uh, really kind of makes calm work for us. So, Kurt, I know we talk a lot about um, tone versus telling the truth kind of thing when it comes to talking to the membership. Um, Explain a little bit of that thought process to uh, our listeners? You know, I think that's a good question because there's this tension among the membership of just provide us with the facts, don't add rhetoric, don't editorialize. It's really hard. And I think that that's something that we've worked at uh, as we had done the podcast in the past. I try not to editorialize and, and add my commentary because it's, it's inappropriate. But the flip side of that too is if you look back in time, there's a there's a history that's evolved over time, and our pilots have this kind of visceral sense of of frustration sometimes, whether it's excessive JAs or whether it's, you know, the last contract took however many extra years to get. So if SWAPA isn't honest with our pilots and say, we recognize this frustration or we represent we we recognize this angst or, or irritation, if we're not honest with them, then it feels kind of I don't know what the word is. I guess it would just be sort of uh, artificial or uh, sanitized. And and that's not what we are. We want to be honest and real with our pilots. Kurt, one of the things we hear a lot when membership contact us about communications that they're getting from the association is that they feel as though at times we're just repeating a lot of the grievances that they've heard before. For instance, flying the 800 for free. We've heard Casey talk about that on this podcast, but what do you think? First of all, let me say I understand the frustration when people say, you know, it's ancient history. Get over it. Uh, when I got here, the the one that we always heard was uh, stock options. We, you know, we can't believe we can't do stock options. That was that was the big thing that I kept hearing over and over again. And, and it, there was value in that because it taught us that we don't want to have a two-tiered options plan for our pilots and have haves and have nots. We learned from that. And so... 
um, while it was tiring to hear about it, nowadays when we say, you know, we, don't, we flew the 800 or uh, we gave away whatever, I think it's important that our pilots just put that kind of in their memory banks and think, okay, well, if, if, they, uh, if they buy another airplane, if they buy Airbus, uh, what do we need out of it? Because we learned when we got the 800 that it was a negotiating position. Uh, Jody Revin's been on this podcast and he's told it, I've heard him tell this story probably five times about uh, Gary Kelly saying, I reject that notion that we owe you anything for the 800 after the fact. So we have to recognize that we have to capture any value that that we intend to uh, in those situations and not rely on the goodwill that that I think some of us thought was there and, and maybe might be there at times. But um, there's I think that it's definitely more a business relationship than a personal relationship when uh, when you're talking about the dollar values that we are in our contract talks and everything with the company. To that, to that same sort of point, um, I, one of the things that, that we kind of battle on a, on a general basis is sort of educating the membership on, on history without um, appearing preachy or going back and revisiting. Um, do you feel like we're doing a, a decent job of that? Do you think that we could do a better job of that? Do you think there's something there that we, we could somehow make it easier for people to find their the, the recent past? Well, yeah, I do think that... Uh, We've done a pretty good job of it. Do I think we can do better? Absolutely. In fact, uh, the the third comm committee member, uh, Dave Wilcox, who joined recently, is, I I believe, 130,000 number, 133. And one of the main reasons that I was interested in in hiring a guy like Dave was because he gives a very different perspective. He gives that new guy perspective. And I I think that we recognize that that was a, a, a lacking element. And I'm sure that after, uh, you know, it, what, uh, it was 2012, 2013, somewhere 2014 was the 800 side letter. And so it's been, it's it's ancient history to those guys. They weren't on the property. They weren't uh, on the property for five years after it happened. So I think that for them, uh, having a different voice and a different perspective in calm from Dave uh, that's different than mine, uh, Jim brings the perspective, I think, from uh, former AirTran pilots and, you know, has a very different perspective. Uh, I, I bring a military perspective. Those guys came from the civilian world. So I think it's really good to have all of those different uh, histories and backgrounds that, that'll bring it together. Now, as far as what are we doing specifically, I think uh, the new website will help. Uh, I think it does help. I think it makes it easier for people who are interested in information to go find it. So as long as we offer them in things like this podcast or uh, blogs that are optional, uh, that I think that we'll have relatively good re- uh, reception to that kind of information. So Kurt, one of, one of the things you just talked about was that there's a feeling that the pilots have that they want to see the underlying data, they be given the information um, in almost a uh, editorially neutral tone to make up their own minds about what is being offered uh, or, or what the union is counter offering and, and just given the facts, you know, at the most fundamental level, how is that desire among the membership and the feedback we've received at SWAPA driving our communications to the pilot group? Well, I think that that's really an advantage that we have, uh, having the pilots on the committee, because like I said, I think through our training, through our experience as pilots, I mean, we rely on, on 
taking in information, processing it, making decisions for our, ourselves, for our crew, for our airplane, and moving on. And so we have that analytical training. So to be able to put it to use by uh, taking the information that SWAPA provides uh, really, I think, serves our membership well. And that is one thing that I think that I'm really proud of, uh, of our organization. And that is, you know, you look at our contract admin, you look at SRC, our uh, Economic Financial Analysis Committee, those guys have excessive amounts of data. I mean, too much data. In fact, that's probably one of the bigger things that we have to wrestle in the comm committee is, is figuring out how to harness that and make it presentable to the membership. But, but that's not to say that the company's uh, unable or, or doesn't have data. They do. Uh, they just look at it a different way. And uh, they're much more, they're a bigger organization. So they don't have the immediate access to the data like we have. So their, their team, their EF&A team, their analysis teams sometimes uh, have to go ahead and request that data from other agencies or other departments. And so it's, it's a much slower turn. We have the agility. We have Scott and Megan uh, Nealon in the room, and they, they're able to go in and actually just pull the data as we're talking in, in real time. And it's amazing to watch. And I think some of those data points really, really resonate with our pilots. And, and when we can simplify them on, from the comms perspective, we don't need to make that a heavy, rhetorical, angry argument because the data just speaks for itself. So you mentioned contract 2020 negotiations. Um, one of the things that I think come up a lot is how do you balance the membership's desire for information and to have all of this analysis and whatever with not negotiating in public? Well, I think there's two parts to that. I think the first thing is the membership's desire for information. I think first we have to recognize, and and I think we do on the committee, but I think maybe the membership doesn't, is that there is a wide range of interest out there. there there's a substantial group of pilots that don't want to hear anything from the union until tell me when it's time to vote and tell me if I should vote yes or no. And then there are other groups of pilots that live, breathe, eat, sleep, drink everything that is SWAPA. And they look at the resolutions on the website and they're posting on the forum uh, around the clock and they are writing their reps and they are reading every blog and listening to every podcast. And so we have to balance our, our calm strategies for both of those groups. If we send out nothing, that second guy is going to complain that he's, he's, you know, he's hearing crickets. But if we send out everything, then we just flood that first guy that just doesn't want anything. Uh, you know, it's a bell curve and most of the people are somewhere in the middle. So we're trying to always find that happy medium. And I think the way we do that is we uh, offer high level, simple things to everybody. And then we offer things like this podcast, things like NC blogs that are high information uh, pilots really want to take in. And those are optional, but, but they're there. And so... That's the first step as far as engaging with our pilot group. Now, as far as negotiating in public, that's a different question. And I think that that's really something that John and Casey really, uh, I think they cracked that nut back in 16. I think prior to that, it was really, really a problem for SWAPA. The, the NC would just go heads down and we wouldn't hear anything for a long time. And then suddenly there's a TA and, and let's all look at it and see what's in it like Christmas, you know, opening up presents. And there's always going to be a, a lump of coal or two in there. So when when those do come out, they're shocked, right? And uh, and I think that's why the last two TAs have been voted down, uh, TA1 uh, last time and then uh, the previous cycle. So now trying to get the membership involved and we're telling them, look, these are the things we're asking for in scheduling. Look, we're looking for 
leg change override. Look, we're looking to get rid of monthly open time. Look, we're trying to do uh, release until check-in for reserves, that kind of thing, because we want the pilots to know what we, what we stand for and, and what we are trying to achieve for them so that they're ready when the time comes and, uh, and they stand behind us on the pro- during the process. The pilots are obviously familiar with how SWAP is communicating, but we're also receiving messaging from the company. What's your view of how they communicate what's happening in this, those negotiation sessions? First of all, I think they're doing a better job today than they did back in 2016. I think they did uh, learn from the mistakes uh, of of that negotiation, and they're trying hard to to engage with our pilot group. I think there's a lot of credibility that they have to make up for, but they're 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 trying. I will say that one area that we do have them beat in is uh, being able to be uh, able to communicate more directly with our membership, and and by that I mean. Uh, they are not permitted to negotiate directly with our membership. That is one avenue that we do have the law on our side. We are the sole bargaining agent for our pilot group as the union. And so we uh, represent them. So the company has to come to SWAPA and then SWAPA can communicate with our membership because we are our pilot group and we are a membership. So so in that case, it is advantageous to us. And and we we are watching what the company puts out and what they do say. And, and we are making sure that what they do is within the bounds of, of not negotiating directly with the membership. So you've worked on a lot of projects at, at SWAPA. Um, what is the the one that you've done that you think has had the greatest impact? So honestly, I have to give you probably two answers to that one. Uh, The first one would be the platform. And I know that the platform uh, wasn't perfect. And I know that we didn't technically achieve the platform. But the purpose of the platform was to serve as a rallying point and, and for our membership to come together. And if you think back to the end of 15, uh, after TA1 went down, um, there were some problems that we had to get together. We had to get some unity and we had to rebuild back SWAPA. And uh, I think that the platform served its purpose. I think it really put us back together and focused and driving forward towards what would ultimately become a successful TA2. So I think that that was, I think, something that was of critical importance, at least at that time. And then the other thing that I think is I'm, I'm very uh, pleased with has been the entire SEP process. So it wasn't one specific one, but for almost three years, over a regular cycle of about every six weeks, we put out another survey, educate, poll, an NP. We We covered every aspect of our CBA, and we got millions of data points from it. And we've gotten tens of thousands of questions and polling and data, and we know what our membership wants, and we are we are ready to get in the room, and uh, and it's going to represent, I think, what our pilots are are want as a whole. So I'm I'm optimistic about that. So the flip side of that question is, what hasn't worked? You know, what didn't resonate in the way you thought it was going to, or you didn't get the response you were looking for? Uh, that's a tough one, Jim. I think if I had to come up with something, I would say uh, it's the fact that you know we've tried really hard over the last couple of years to get a lot more engagement and activism inside of SWAPA. And I think that's the problem that we're having is there, you know, we've had these podcasts and we put out blasts and we've had RP articles all talking about, you know, joining SWAPA and and participating on the inside. And we still have way too many uncontested uh, elections uh, 
in in my opinion. So I'd really like to see that change. So I'd, I'd say that's probably the 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 biggest uh, failure if I had to if I had to use that word. So people know we have a lot of channels that we use to reach the membership. And can you explain your role in each of those to some extent? I think the first thing is being a traffic cop. You have to decide what channel this piece of information comes down. For example, uh, I know right now we're working on another blog. It's about the Californian disability. And it's a, kind of a, a niche information thing. So we don't want to blast that to 9,000 guys because the the Atlanta captain doesn't really care about it, probably. So that's the kind of thing that we will we have to figure out where it goes and then to who's the who's the target audience. So I think that that's the first part of it. And then beyond that, I think really my role is is to be that voice of the pilot. So when we put out a social media post, even if it's something silly, uh, you know, put on pictures of your dogs or something like that, I think it has to still be honest and reflective of of pilots and not not hokey. You know, I think We've seen some of the things that the company puts out, and and it's a different target audience. And I, and no matter what we do, even if we're putting out some goofy things, or I, I want to make sure that it it reflects well on our pilots, and it and it doesn't turn them off to Swappa's message. So I think that that's a big part about it. You know, I've been very hands on with the NC stuff, so I I'm really in the nuts and bolts of that. But the rest of the stuff I'm trying to offload more and more, especially now with Jim and Dave as our new committee members. And, uh, but that kind of all ties back to the very first question I think that you asked me, which was the balance between the pilots and the, and the staff. And I think that's really where the magic happens, just kind of providing that overall guidance and tone. First of all, uh, tell us a little bit about how the comp team's organized, because I think uh, that uh, our membership in general doesn't have a very good understanding of how many people are actually uh, working full-time uh, at getting the message out. As Kurt mentioned before, we have the pilot side. We have Kurt and Dave and Jim. Um, and on the staff side, we have me as the communications director. We have um, two editorial members. That's Casey Castile. Casey works on the website and also on the RP as needed. Um, and we have Andres Trujillo, and he is the um, sort of our social media expert. And then we also have three creative positions. Um, one, two graphic designers. Caitlin Ewing is uh, our senior graphic designer. And then we have Sophia Castanon, and she is another one of our graphic designers. And they do all of the uh, imagery and all of the RPs, the, all of the imagery you see on the websites. They come up with all the little banner heads that come on the emails. Um, pretty much anything you can think of that is a visual element. And then finally, we have Jason Davis, who is our videographer. But in addition to that, he also is our podcast director. You never hear from Jason, but he is the person who um, actually does all of the podcast uh, recordings, decides, you know, cuts the pieces together, much like video, but obviously with words. And so, Amy, uh, what did you do before SWAPA and when did you get here, by the way? So before I worked at SWAPA, um, I was I spent 16 years at American Airlines. I worked in a bunch of different departments at American Airlines. I was at um, in the um, pilot training group. Uh, I was worked for American Way for a little while, which is now defunct. Actually, their last issue was in June. Um, a whole bunch of different positions there, um, and then I worked for a content marketing agency in Dallas as well. And then 
I got here in 2015. And so, Amy, you got here in 2015, and that's sort of when I really got involved heavily at SWAPA. So we worked pretty closely there during uh, TA2. Uh, Tell the membership a little bit about the work that you did there. We did a lot of work during TA2. As Kurt mentioned earlier, he was talking about the platform. Um, We did kind of, you know, he put the platform together more or less, and then I kind of helped with the design and editorial of that. But in addition to that, um, all during the TA2, we did picket signs, slogans. Uh, we, I spearheaded a lot of those media buys, like the billboard in Times Square that we bought, covering any of the ads that ran in any of the Dallas Morning News. And then after that, during the, the contract 2020 cycle, the three-year SEP cycle, um, Kurt and I worked a lot on the language. Not My perspective is, is obviously not that of a pilot, but more on you know how, how to put together those NPs and how to you know, put them out. So I, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of, of what contract 2020 is going to be from not only the staff side, but but also from the pilot side. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time, as I mentioned before, not only with pilots here, but also with in, in other carriers as well. So I, I kind of have a fairly long history with pilot communication. So I, I and, and despite the last six years, working with Kurt has taught me a lot about SWAPA and, and kind of what our pilots are looking for in their um, communications. But now you're the boss. Congratulations, by the way, because you are the new director of communications at SWAPA. Uh, obviously, it's only been a couple of months, but you must have some idea of things that you want to change or fix or do better or differently. Like, what would some of those things be? So some of the things that I think we let me start by saying some of the things I think we do very well are I, I do think we do a very good job of covering a, a lot of different platforms. We um, we introduced the podcasts a couple of years ago, um, kind of on a whim and weren't really sure how well those would be received. And apparently and, and obviously they've been received very well. But we've, you know, kind of ventured in social media a little bit more. When I first got here, we had almost no social media presence. It, it, we didn't we rarely posted um, if we posted once every month or so, that was kind of what would be a good month. So I think we do a really good job of finding new mediums and trying to engage our pilots in them. And, and we are also very cognizant of the fact that, you know, the, the majority of our pilot base is, is you know, about middle age. They're, they're not necessarily the new millennials that are digging into all of the new clubhouse and all of those kinds of things. So we try to incorporate as much of all of those pieces as we can, um, but but reaching everywhere from from the millennials all the way to, you know, people who maybe only use a printed product. Um, and I think we do a really good job of that. What I would like to do better is I, I think, and this is one initiative that I've been working on this whole year, is I think we can communicate our wins as a union a little bit better. And we can also communicate our, uh, our we kind of always tend to drop into like um, immediacy mode. So something comes up, it's a, it's a big deal. We have to do it. And we don't do as much planning. We're, we're obviously doing a much better job at that, but I think there are many times that we could use some of our communication channels to get there before the crisis happens, if, if you will. And um, I, I, one of the things I've been working on is trying to touch base with all of the committees throughout the year to say, okay, I know you don't typically write anything or I know you don't typically put anything out, but 
let's talk about that. And, and you'll notice like in the next, you know, a few months, you know, open enrollment for um, benefits is always in the fall. And you'll notice over the next few months, we're going to try, we've, we've sort of put out a plan to get people engaged with that in, in a variety of mediums well before we get to that point. So it's not just, oh, hey, we've got to put an RP article out now. It's, it's more of a build to by the time you get to the RP article, you've already heard a lot of the little pieces that you need to decide what you want to buy, how, what, you know, where you want to spend you know, your money for open enrollment. Amy, speak a little bit more about that as far as the digital versus print um, format. Uh, I know we have pilots that prefer one or the other. And at one point we did go to an all digital RP. And in fact, just recently we had complaints that that it still is, but it hasn't been for quite some time. Uh, are we going to go back to all digital or or what are our plans? So we've we've kind of talked about this internally a lot. And, and you know, one of the, the questions that often comes up is, you know, well, could we opt into having a printed version of it? And currently it, we don't have a way to collate and, and, and do that. But at, at some point, we're hoping with a new website that that might be a, a possibility down the road. But to be honest with you, one of the issues that we come up with is, as I said before, we, we do have pilots that that, that printed copy is really going to be the only way that they're going to look at it. They just feel strongly about it. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are, you know, hey, I, I download it to my app and I only read it that way. And that's great. I, I would... I personally believe that we should continue to provide the publication because it is our, our one of our main forms of communication with our members. We should continue to provide that in any format that our pilots will read it until it. So, you know, I guess the answer to your question is in a few years, if we're seeing that pretty much anyone, you know, no one is necessarily reading it in the printed format, but everybody is only looking at it online yeah, I might be willing to, to have that discussion and see if that if that makes sense. But I don't have any immediate plans to make changes to that. And I think, too, the website, our, our current website, gives it makes it much easier to navigate and find things that you might want in the RP. Um, so it's, it's much easier to find an article on, let's say, the last negotiating article. You can very easily find that now versus sort of having to dig through a PDF or, or things like that. So I think it's... I think we kind of cover all of all bases with that, and I don't see that changing anytime very soon. Thanks to both of you for taking the time and doing something different than hosting another podcast. Hopefully our listeners got an idea that the job of putting out calm in ways that is relatable to 9,000 different personalities can sometimes be a challenge, but it's uh, clear to see that you both are dedicated to serving our membership. Okay, guys, uh, why don't you close out for old time's sake? Uh, sounds good, Jim. Like I mentioned during my interview, it takes everyone's perspective to get the best product. And because of that, we're asking you to tell us if you have any feedback for us, either on the podcast or about anything that Com puts out. Just shoot us an email at com at swapa.org. Finally, today's bonus number is 85. That's the total number of interviewees we've had on the podcast since we started them back in 2019. It's talking to those SMEs who provide the great content that we present to you, our membership. And we certainly hope you've enjoyed listening to them as much as we have enjoyed interviewing them. That's 2745, Baltimore Tower, runway 33 left, clear to land, wind 33018, gust 28, traffic with a part, runway 28. Clear to land, 33 left, southwest 2745.